Again, it is first time films, and it's me going to be taking the reins this time. It's Jack Higgins. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted to introduce our new, well, one of our newest members of the panel, Ailey Lone. Say hello, Ailey. Hello, how you doing? Yeah, we're all good. We're all good. This is uh, Ailey's first episode, so you you can get accustomed to her voice, um, which I've already had the pleasure of the last five minutes of talking to her, and I'm already knowing this is going to be great. So. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. This is, just for the record, guys, our 50th episode. So um, thanks very much for all the support up to this point. It's been an absolute rollercoaster of a, a ride. But, um, you know, we're all glad to still be here, still ticking over. And, well, still in a good mental state, I think, is the, the best thing <laughs> to, to say about us. But um, I'm also joined by our co-founder and the man you all love to hate uh, it's david campbell you can say oh. hello listen i'm just so happy that we're doing our 50th episode on uh, the life of brian singer oh no sorry sorry i can't say that uh prisoners isn't about brian singer i can't i can't even make that claim i'll get sued <laughs> i didn't know you were going with that there and i was going right well why did we mention brian singer again after so long of trying not to mention him the big pedo bastard anyway <laughs> so yeah as you said we are talking about prisoners released in 2013 Directed by Denis Villeneuve. That's a lovely name to say, isn't it? Everybody, <laughs> wish, everybody have a shot of saying that. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. It's lovely, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, famous for directing films such as Blade Runner 2049, Enemy, Sicario, to name a few. Uh, I've actually not seen Enemy or Sicario, but I just put them in there because I've heard they're class and I need to get on them. After watching Prisoners, I am pretty hyped to see what this guy has up his sleeve to be honest um Ailey, i'm going to come to you first uh just quickly do you were you familiar with his works beforehand were you you know in the villeneuve world um, beforehand? apart from blade runner nothing else really but I, i'm very much like you jack in terms of like after seeing this film i'm like right okay let's see what what else he's done um, what he's got to offer mm-hmm. absolutely for sure um I'm also so prepared here, like not even joking. So I've watched the film and written, like I've actually got a notepad. I have taken notes. Um, I thought fucking delighted because that's uh, that makes one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people will know from FTTV if there's any crossover fans that uh, you know just follow my life. <laughs> they're just they're not even like fans of the podcast. They're just fans of me. So they just you know they cross between first time <laughs> films and FTTV. That's clearly the reason why. Um, it's so funny. You know, the it, only thing that I've got written down right is I've got every other character name near enough, and I just couldn't remember what. Like every time it come up in the film, it's like, what are they saying that Hugh Jackman's character is? <laughs> so I just remember oh, his character is just Hugh the whole way through this note. <laughs> just shug, like shug Jackman. That's what we call him in the podcast. He's just, he's just shug, Aww. just doing absolute shug things. <laughs> um, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, we'll, we'll kick, I'm just going to get this out of the way as well. This, then you know, you know how much Truffles loves these, you know, mm. stats and figures and all that. Um, mm. If you haven't already Wikipedia'd it, if you have, then I hate you. But um, if you haven't, can we have a guess at the budget for the film? First of all, truffles will come to you if you you've probably already fucking Wikipedia. Do you know what? Trip. I've I've came off the Wikipedia page because I went on the Neil Villeneuve's Wikipedia page, so I don't have the figures in front of me and I haven't looked at them. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say the budget's sixteen. Sixteen million. Yeah. No, nope, you are wrong, uh, Ailey. You want <laughs> <have a> stab? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you said 16, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Was it 20? 
No, it's higher than that. It's actually forty-six million for the oh budget. Oh my god! No way. Yeah, it's quite a big, quite a big budget. Now, even more surprising for me, um, given given the Luke, uh, Luke McLaughlin algorithm, right? I'm, I'm pretty surprised at this box office, um, the uh, money made at box office. Sorry, so I'll go back to you, Ailey. Um Do you want to have a stab at oh, the money god. it made? The money it made. Uh, I don't even know. I can't even hazard a guess if the film's coming in. Well, how, how forty-six really million budget. So that's the thing. Like, so forty-six million. The the look algorithm is normally that you double it, um, and if anything less, anything less than double is basically like it's a loss, effectively, um, okay. or it's not a loss, but it's like a, it's not really performed too well. Um, so you can go, you can make of that what you will. Um, I don't know. Is it like a just under a hundred million, maybe? No, nope, it's not. You aren't too far away, though. Truff. Judging on your surprise, I'm just going to times it by 10. I'm going to go, like, 400 million. Oh, my God. 400 no million. million. It can't be that much. <laughs> no, it's not that much. It is 122.1 million. <laughs> nice. Uh, which oh. I still think is quite a healthy, quite a healthy profit. And, um, mm. yeah, I mean... I, I would have been surprised if uh, Villeneuve had um, not made good money on his films, to be honest. Yeah, uh, that's a good story. I, I said, not really that familiar with him, but I know Blade Runner done fairly well, I think. Um, well, you say that, like, the thing, I actually am kicking myself about you asking about the budget, because he's infamous for going over budget as a director. Um, oh, shit, like, like it's Sicario was Sicario did slightly better, made it for thirty. But Blade right. Runner, the budget was meant to cap somewhere about yeah, uh, nah. under a hundred or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's probably it's up to one hundred eighty-five million he made Blade Runner for, which made it a financial failure. Um, but yeah, that so that, that's not even the that's not even really the the fault of the box office. It's just he obviously yeah. totally fucking that like, is ridiculous. That amount of money. We just it's, that it's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. Um. I, it's amazing that, yeah. I mean, I know there's so much money in like things like football and, um, I don't know. I'm sorry, I think of another football. Comparison. Football <laughs> seriously, yeah. football seriously takes the fucking rip with the amount of money that's in that. But when you do think of it as a Hollywood industry, um, movies like well, movies that are remakes, such as Blade Runner 2049, or not remakes, mm. but um, sequels that are obviously much anticipated of uh, like cult movies and stuff. I mean. 180 odd million is just ridiculous. You, you think, think people, what, what could you possibly be spending that that's money it. on? People get too carried away, I think, especially like you know, you look at film companies that aren't you know, got this Hollywood status and they, they you know, they do films for next to no budget at all. Mm-hmm. And some of them are the most incredible films. Absolutely. And think, what are you spending budget on? I mean, I, you've said that, and now I'm thinking about what Prisoners was and what the whole film was. And I'm going. I don't really see where that money. It was, yeah, it wasn't been. mad. It wasn't mad no. for special effects or anything. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, there's no CGI or there's no much tech going on here. You know. Yeah. I think you make think a you make a good like, point there. Well, you, you what was Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I know. That's the thing, though. Like, um, like to me, it speaks to how much these studios trust Denis Villeneuve, though. At this point, like yeah. to give him that amount of money because. Like, I know you were saying earlier, like, you are quite unfamiliar with him, and I haven't seen his French films, but I have seen every one of his um, English-language films uh, from Prisoners mm-hmm. onwards. And mm-hmm. for me, he's my favourite 
director of the 21st century, I think I'd go as far to say because... Big statement like, there. You'll go, you'll go into it more, Jack, but like for me, what he does, he takes good scripts, like like decent scripts, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there's nothing too special about them. And it's his... It's his um, like I, I for vision and the fact that as Roger Deakins is cinematographer in most of his yeah. films yeah. like truly yeah. helps him with that. Um, but also the the cast he gets like to have fucking what's her name like Viola Davis like playing a bit part in your movie like you know you've come out you you know you've made it at that point you know what I mean so for me what Denis Villeneuve does and that the studios know he does at this point is that either can give him any script and they know that he is going to elevate that script beyond what another it would be in the hands of another director I think yeah yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely I mean um. I can't even really think of any film. I can't think of any films we've done on this that has had um, as big a budget as what you mentioned there with Blade Runner twenty forty nine. To be honest, I'm thinking. I'm you know I'm thinking back very very vaguely, and uh, a lot of the time, I'm under the influence when I do this. So I'm not going to have the, <laughs> the clearest. <laughs> I'm not going to have the clearest memory of it. However, um, yeah, t- I mean, one hundred and eighty odd million is ridiculous amount of money. You think? Well, at least Blade Runner twenty forty nine was. Um, I don't know sci-fi. There was there was yeah, some was special effects. Pack, so, like... Yeah, there's some stuff in there that you go right. Okay, well he's obviously spending money on a tech side of things. Uh, For this prisoners, film, it, it made it made it didn't feel like a big, huge Hollywood blockbuster that mm-hmm. would bring in this kind of, or have that kind of money spent on it. And I don't know if this is me being naive to how much budgeting goes into films. Mm-hmm. Um, like it felt to me not. Not that like this could have been a film that was not in cinema, if that makes sense. Like this could have been easily like a Channel Four or BBC film. Mm. It was everything about it was just you know this about the story and so orientated around the story. It wasn't filled with all of these huge big you know dramatic fight scenes or special effects or things like that. Yeah, I think that's why I enjoyed it so much because it was such a story, um, like driven film and character based film, and you're thinking absolutely. Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. That no, on? I know. No, it's, it's an interesting question, and I think we'll. I mean, we'll investigate that as we go through. Like that's kind of what why we're here, I suppose. Um, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna dive into a wee bit of the plot. Um, uh, for anyone who's listening that you know doesn't hasn't watched <laughs> it, which would be silly. But um, you know, the plot focuses on an abduction of two young girls in Pennsylvania. And it basically follows the the subsequent subsequent search afterwards. That's basically following um, Jake Gyllenhaal, who is the detective. Who I don't know about you, but kind of annoys me a wee bit. And then you've got Hugh Jackman, um, who is playing the sort of rogue father who tries to take matters into his own his own hands, um, sort of in defiance of the what he sees as the uh, as Jake Gyllenhaal's lack of. I don't know, passion or, or, or even lack of care to the matter. Um, so it does really make for a great story. I think, as you were mentioned there, Truff, about the, the script, you know, it's quite a... I mean, it's a hard-hitting script, very, very mm-hmm. dark at times, um, explores seriously, seriously distressing themes, but um, as you said, it is quite... It's just it's quite a normal kind of grounded script. Yeah. There's nothing. It's not. It's not. A, you know. I keep going back to it, but it's not Blade Runner twenty forty nine. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not too bad. Yeah. Uh, it's and very very. Um, you know these kind of things obviously happen in the world and are terrible. Um, but when you think somebody's going to make a movie about it, you think, well, yeah, it could be quite interesting. Blah blah. blah. But I think mm. uh, he does a great job. Um, 
I've you just... need to be so careful with content like that though don't you Absolutely. especially yeah. if you are doing it on a platform that he's done and it is Hollywood and it is this you know which usually is a very you know sort of glossy films sometimes mm-hmm. with as we said you know big action films and things like that mm-hmm. you know you do need to be very careful with that kind of content and I think that it's cast so so well and the, the whole production of it is just exactly spot on in terms of you know they don't they don't gloss over any any topic. They're really sort of brutal with the yeah, stuff. Yeah, they actually are. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thing, though. It's like like the topic it is hard hitting what they're writing about. But mm-hmm. I, I, at one point, I was thinking because this amazed me when I seen it in cinema in twenty thirteen. Like I was like a wee guy, and I was like, "Oh, this is such a good movie." Like I've never seen anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at it in comparison to other films, it's not doing anything that Seven hadn't already done like over 10 years earlier, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's a plot that I could see in an episode of something like Criminal Minds or, or CSI or something like that. Absolutely. That's the thing. Yeah, and I'm not, saying, I'm, I'm not slagging the script. I'm not saying it's a bad, written, badly no. written script by any man of the means. Like what I'm saying is though, it's one of these sort of baseline scripts in Hollywood. You, feel, you look at it and go, yeah, someone could make this really good, but there is a version of this film uh, like in another timeline somewhere where you've cast, I don't know, someone like David Hasselhoff in the lead role, you know what I mean? And it's ended up on yeah. like uh, Turner Classic Movies in, in the middle of the afternoon, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, the, the, I mean, another thing that I would say is um, we obviously done Juno um, a couple of months back and stuff. I think if you take a script that is about uh, a girl who, you know, gets uh, an unplanned pregnancy and, you know, you make it a comedy, that's if that's the groundwork you have to work with and then you make it into a really good film with tons and tons of comedy, really good characters, like all that, that's what makes the movie the movie, isn't it? So, um, as you said, taking quite a normal script, quite a, not, a, you know, I use the word, for lack of a better term, term a dull script, like, or not even mm-hmm. dull, that's not even the word I'm looking for, but you get what I mean, it's, yeah. It's total realism, isn't it? Yeah, it's like realism where you're like, yeah, there's nothing, yeah, nothing too exciting about it that's going to get you right off your seat, but seriously, as I said, distressing, but just, it it does it so well, like you said earlier, it it seriously explores it enough, and it doesn't gloss over it, it doesn't glorify anything in it, it makes it all um, very touching, you feel, you, Mm. you feel sympathy for almost every character, um, despite everything that's going on you know despite all the wrongdoing you're kind of like well oh, you don't know where your head's at you don't know what to think for sure um, and that's what I really liked about thing. it yeah for sure I totally agree but again as as a complete taste thing but for me that is the most dramatic thing you can do is when you take a script that isn't full of you know crazy fight scenes and big Absolutely. chunky bits of dialogue and it is just you know could be read and being and being like well this is that there's a great topic, a great storyline, but the script is just incredibly boring. And mm-hmm. when something like that is taken by the right director, taken by the right actors, and it gets made into something, as you said, that's just completely harrowing. That's yeah. that's, that's drama. That's that's something that's so gripping and it is it is just so realistic that you know it's almost spooky because it is real life. You know, nothing mm-hmm. about it is heightened. Well, I suppose like some of the things that happen, you're like, whoa what's happened that that could happen there's nothing about it that you look at and go that's completely not believable at all no (laughs) justified sorry i'm sorry for laughing here but i was going to say everything ailey's saying is completely right um but i think the music in it like plays a great a great part in that like it really creating an atmosphere but then i was like i'm going to go and look who the composer is and his name's johan johansson (laughs) (laughs) 
Is he definitely from Iceland or what? <laughs> is he, he's most definitely from Iceland. That is the most Icelandic name. Oh yes, of course he actually is Icelandic. Yep, I have to. Yeah. And he's like, I was, I was just looking at, I was going because I was going to say the, the the score in this is incredible and it doesn't it doesn't work without the score even in the opening scenes. Like I, I remembered like mm-hmm. one of the opening parts of the movie before anything even happens. It's like they're going to travel to the to the house uh, to go and meet the other family. For Thanksgiving, yeah. and the girl exits the house on her own, and the music changes slightly, Absolutely. and it mm-hmm. changes subtly, and it just plants in your head the idea that oh maybe she could be taken at that moment, yeah. you know? And it's it's so cleverly done because it's just like a throwaway in the ha- like again in the hands of another composer. They're going to have like the happy music at that point, establishing happy families going for a nice wee Thanksgiving. You know, yeah. but like in this film specifically, the decision made there to change that is just one of the things that makes this, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. class above the rest, you know. What I wish they did more though is the fact like so there, there was bits in the film that I was I just was like, Oh no, I don't know if I'm a fan of that really, but there was the, the section where um uh well, what's Jake Gyllenhaal's character again? Well anyway, he's got um t- detectives got Alex the yeah. convicted the boy, yeah. abductor up against the wall and then you're flashing between those scenes that are they're doing the sort of investigation on the van and you've got you know the, mm-hmm. the whole crime scene guys in and you had his voiceover the music cutting between those scenes and the like other things that were happening were all in silence so you know mm-hmm. you couldn't hear the torches going on you couldn't hear them sort of unpicking things through the rv yeah his voice in the music and i thought that would have been a class theme throughout the rest of it but it just stopped and it didn't continue and I was like oh that builds so much suspense like you've done it once it could have been really really effective had you continued doing that for yeah. the film yeah I get I uh, probably agree with you there's probably times where they could have used that again I think that was a, a really a good point in it and something I never even really thought to note down or anything but no I think that was a, a particularly um, tense moment when you when you you know obviously that was the kind of right at the start well not right at the start but uh, after the abduction and yeah, you know it is all kind of who done it. That when it gets to that point, it's like you've got all thoughts going through your head. You're going, what? You're starting to think, why has a person done this? And obviously, he was a prime suspect at the time. So, mm-hmm. um, no, definitely, I think that was a, a good exposure of that. Um, what did you just think about the beginning, though? Right like, at the very before, start. Yeah, that, the that's very, what I was about to say. The abduction. What, so the music, like you said, Trav, I thought was spot on. The way mm-hmm. it, from early from early doors, it was quite ominous. Like there was this immediate sense of foreboding. Like there wasn't like as you said, happy families. Like and then it's just switched on or anything like that. It was like straight away. There's something not quite right, you know. And for somebody who knew what the film was about, because I had seen the trailer before and such, so I knew that you know. There was going to be an abduction and, and such, right? So the fact that it, right from the start, it sort of plants it in your head, it makes you think. So for someone who hasn't seen the trailer or hasn't read anything about the plot, I think that's even more jarring. I think that's even more like, oh, this is quite creepy. Like, why is this? Mm-hmm. Why is it on Thanksgiving? They're about to have family dinner and there's mm-hmm. something just not quite right. And I think also on top of the music, which you said was, was as I said, was absolutely brilliant. And I agree with your truffles. I think um, Roger Deakins' cinematography for that you know how I like my cinematics, but I think no, some some of the shots that he had, like uh, at the like at the trees just inside the house, um, the one of the I RV looking even, out, the kids walking away, yeah, the kids class. walking yeah, away. That one. There's even later on in it when it's like inside the little shower 
like cubicle thing that he makes, mm. and it's and it's just That's Alex's awesome. eyes. Like it's like there's so many good shots. You're just like, wow, this that really does as we've just spoke about takes the script to another level. Like takes the movie, mm. you know, and yeah. makes it really what it is. Um, yeah. The only one out of them that didn't do it for me, and I don't know if this is because I was I was that person that hadn't seen the trailer, hadn't read the plot, literally went on, put it on, mm-hmm. and, um, we started watching. We were watching it in a basement as well, so that creeped me. Out. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. Like, oh, it was well, so okay. terrifying. We were walking up the stairs because um, I'm at Johnson Swansea, and we were walking up the stairs, and I was like, "You, you need to go behind me because I don't want to be the last one to come up." At the beginning, I just wasn't because I watched it. I watched it for the first time, and then I watched it again today just to clarify some things that I might have thought. And I was like, you know, I'm really not convinced by this beginning here. I was like, I'd love to have seen more of that family atmosphere of Thanksgiving, mm. more of the kids that like the one that I didn't get. The shot that just didn't do it for me was like when he is like zooming in on the tree. I was like, see, that would have been a perfect ah. moment to watch the girls leave the house and then. Pass even past the RV, so you know, you're like, Oh, could it be that? And then they pass it, and nothing happens. And then later on, we find out that was something to do with that. I thought that there was no, there wasn't enough family time at the beginning for us to really see these children and you know, a little bit about their personalities and things like that. And then all of a sudden, yeah. we were gone and we were mm-hmm. straight into the action. And I was like, Oh, hold on a minute here, like, I want to care yeah. more about this yeah. family. <laughs> no, it's an interesting take on it. And I, I mean, I personally, well, as I've just said, that I, I, I really liked all that. I liked that it was, um, I don't know, there was a sort of complete emptiness to that part. That mm. you, you have zero, you have zero ideas what's going on, and you're just watching. Not like nothing. I, I quite like how. That's a really good point. The emptiness of it. Actually, that's something I didn't consider. It, it's, oh, it, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. But no, it's so, also. Um, I'm interested to see what you what you think. Have you got more of a, an alien swing on things, or do you kind of agree with me? It's a, it's a hit and miss because it's like you look at the runtime of the movie. It's already uh, about two and a half hours, yeah. and I, I do I give Alien a sense like the girls are really used as a MacGuffin. You know, in this movie, they are objects to be found, you know, so they don't really get a character, is what she's saying, yeah. and that could have been set up before they're kidnapped. Um, but I also like the idea, because I was looking at it, and I was like, wow, I didn't remember this going that quick. And I like that the, we get 20 minutes in, the kids are already gone, and the investigation yeah. started, you know, and mm-hmm. that's it's mm-hmm. one of the strengths in this movie, that it does move quite quick. Like, there's never a bit where it, it lulls. Something's always happening. You're always finding something new out like every 10 minutes or so, so it never does good feel point. boring or feels long. But I do also think Ailey makes like a good point that we don't oh, really absolutely. get a lot in the relationships between the, the fathers and the daughters, even the husbands and the wives, you know, don't feel uh, really connected uh, too much as they could be. But mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, it was um, it's a runtime decision because if the movie goes plus two and a half hours at that point, you're going, right, maybe this has been taken a bit too far. Yeah, I think... <sighs> I agree with both of you. I think you do make a good point, Ellie. And Truff, you've kind of put it in a nutshell there. I think runtime, they've decided that realistically the the characters that we need to care about, or not even care about, but the characters that we need to follow and keep up to date with are obviously Detective Loki and uh, Keller. They're, the, they're, I suppose... Weird-ass yeah. names. Weird-ass <laughs> names, by the way. Like, yeah. Let's just say this. The character names, names are weird. <laughs> like, yeah. really weird. Keller you know Dover. What, it could been, it could, you know, but there's so many, as you said, that is really long, and I totally did not feel like it was. It was a what was it, two and a half hour film or that? Because it did, as yeah. you, you boys are right, it moves so fast. 
but you know if you unpack that a little bit more and it wasn't a film and it was a series you know that could have been mm. pretty incredible oh yeah film. that would have been yeah i mean if it was a series then of course ca- the character development would have needed needed yeah. to be a lot larger you would have got much more about the the um the relationships between the husbands and the wives Absolutely. because even even uh keller's wife in it is obviously a bit of a nothing she starts popping pills she's obviously a bit losing her mind crazy because of you know the disappearance of her daughter so you, you kind of get that but you don't ever well personally i didn't ever really feel that sorry for her because i didn't know too much about didn't her, know her yeah. i was i was always more interested in what Keller was going to do next and how much of a short fuse he was and, and you never knew like he what he knew no what he was doing he knew it was wrong and he still felt that it was justified until he got to the end of it you know mm. and, and and actually his perseverance kind of paid off in the end because even though it wasn't really Alex's fault you know it, it, he was caught up in it he was embroiled in it so without Keller's determination there um you know, you wouldn't have, well, as a viewer, you wouldn't have kind of pieced it together. See, this is one of the th- the problems, I, the one one of the only problems I have with the movie, actually. And yeah. I think we're going to have not our infamous Joker argument again, our Joker debate. It's about, oh, right, okay. Uh, the, the mor- <laughs> the mora- no, just the morality of films, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, I think it's enough to understand Keller and understand why he's doing what he's doing without the movie almost justifying glorifying it, it. Like, right. yeah. uh, glorifying it a bit like you say and that's that's where I sort of drew the line because Hugh Jackman's a really likeable actor like in most cases like you want to root for the character that's played by Hugh Jackman and I do feel that the movie leaned too close in the end to even by the speech of the wife like I'm glad what he did because he did lead to it happening when I think the direction of the script should have been it might not have seemed like Detective Loki was giving it his all or he was that invested, but in the end he was doing his job and he knew how to do his job. Yeah. And for me, it should have been it should have been him that solved it definitively on his own without Keller's branch of sort of vigilante justice. And, then, and that's like a minor thing because it doesn't detract yeah. the enjoyment of but it. That's, that's, what, that's, what, that's why I say oh, it's, it's more as a viewer. Like, we see how mm-hmm. it pieces together, but at the end of the day, like, well, it obviously leaves it kind of open-ended with... You know, Keller not actually being discovered. If, if it, you know, you obviously hear his whistles right at the end, but yeah, you, there's still not justice for Keller. Really, he doesn't even know that his daughter's alive and yeah. being found. You know, so I, I think it's not even that it's not even that it's glorified or made it okay for Keller because it's not the the Keller's actions hasn't really led Detective mm-hmm. Loki to getting justice or getting or, you know being able to solve the case and find the girls. It's mm. but as a viewer, it makes sense. You know what I mean. As a viewer, mm. we get we see both, uh, b- both separate, you know, struggles there uh, with Detective Loki obviously trying to solve the case and Keller trying to solve it on his own or make it, you know, take it in his own hands. I think uh, as a viewer, it makes more sense. But the there's still a huge distance between the characters and still a huge distance and you know the, uh, both both uh, male actors. Mm. Uh, both male characters uh, stories sorry or like you know reasonings mm. so I, I get what you're saying I, I do think it maybe glorifies him a wee bit too much but then you got to again you got to kind of put yourself in that position you know of the father or something that like like he was um, seeing... I always find it very interesting how like you know films portray that you know 
like parental instinct that you will do anything and sacrifice your entire life for your child Mm -hmm. and I find it very interesting when it comes from like the mum's point of view or the dad's point of view and in this film it was almost like this is what dads do and yeah you know the mums are sort of once again just you know (laughs) popping pills and just getting drunk and all like what if we made a decision and you know we did like the one film that always sticks in my head with just a phenomenal performance of a mother who would do anything for her daughter is uh, three billboards yeah um, oh like, class there we go you know that's like, <laughs> an amazing film but absolutely film, class what would it what would it have been if you know the wife was in the other position the mum was doing all mm. these things that, like, for me that would have made like a very very different film but something incredibly interesting I mean I absolutely loved Hugh Jackman in the film and obviously mm-hmm. that thought what 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 if we gave roles like that and made them female and made the mum in a power, a, a, that kind of compromising position and didn't make them in the background yeah and feeling no, that, that we definitely... are powerful creatures too <laughs> <laughs> no that def- you're absolutely spot on that should should be a focus uh, going forward for most obviously this was I mean, I know it's 2013, it's not exactly ancient history or anything, but um, you're right, I think it needs a better representation of females in these kind of films. Oh, where, it's a completely male-dominated film, yeah, wasn't but it? I think, yeah, I think that is just, unfortunately, that is just the case of it. Like that, I think it was just meant to be male-dominated, unfortunately. The, yeah. You know, the detective was male and the main sort of aggressor in it is male I think that's obviously why you get Hugh Jackman in because you know Big Shug is going to give an absolutely raging performance you <laughs> know you know, yeah, you know Big Shug is going to give it no, no I loved him I absolutely loved him and like this is the first film that I've seen oh sorry my phone is dinging here um, this is the first <laughs> film that I've seen Hugh Jackman um, not singing so, <laughs> oh, that okay. would have been great. I would have no, loved a musical number. Please like find that. my daughter. <laughs> so, right. like halfway through, I've not, seen, I've not seen a lot of his films. Like, I'm not huge, and I'm probably doing this podcast. We'll see many, many sort of um, action films, like yeah. you know, Marvel and all these kind of. Like, I'm, I'm not big on on those type of films just because I've never really watched them. So, I've never seen like you know. What's the one he does? Wolverine? Is that him? Yes. Oh my God, yeah. X Men. X Men. Add an X Men to the spreadsheet. We're getting X Men in there. Absolutely. <laughs> this was the first thing that I've actually seen him do that wasn't like Lee Miz or anything, and right. I was just unbelievably impressed. Like the moment he has when the the detective first comes round and he's questioning him, like you know, if you did this lie detector test, if you did all that, and then he gets heavy raging, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, that's a moment. That was a perfect mm. piece of acting there. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, yeah, I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was so so good. Yeah. Mm. He was. He was by far like, is it's it's the the dichotomy of the the characters is also in the performances as well because Hugh Jackman doesn't hold back. You know, Hugh Jackman yeah. is the greatest showman. Like he's a tra- he's trains a theatre actor. He's, he gives it big and bold and brash. Absolutely. And it's like, where are they? And he's hammering a fucking toilet. You know, it's incredible. <laughs> and then you've got Jake Gyllenhaal, who is like the epitome of like a screen actor. You know, what yeah. I mean, like do, just doing the minimum mm-hmm. amount. You know, Absolutely. but in letting the camera and all that around him do the work, like he is, is really just the vessel of the character it says a lot when you can do you know a film that Liam is a greatest showman and things like that and and then I'm watching him in front of me in this film called Prisoners that it's a really heavy drama 
and given this very subtle performance and just you see the hunger and this father's eyes to find mm. his kid and the yeah. extremes that he goes to and I was just like oh he made me cry because I, I just completely didn't agree with what he was doing but at the same time you know I suppose as a parent you get that instinct yeah, that's the whatever thing. it is to find my child and that's yeah. just it mm-hmm. absolutely that's what I was saying earlier on about how you just sympathise with everyone even throughout their wrongdoings you're kind of like oh fuck you just you just well, want to get on board with it yeah, I, you see everyone I don't have any no, I don't have any children but I like you know like like Hugh Jackman I think if I was in a similar position even though I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't be <laughs> holding anyone hostage or anything. I, can, I, I don't I think. I don't know. Let's see about that. Do you have the DIY skills? Is the question? To I don't. Uh, yeah, shower. I also don't have that big basement full of like chemicals and all that. I don't know about that either. <laughs> you know what we'll but, do? See in like a couple years' time or however many years' time when if we've all got if we've got families and, and any of us have kids, we'll do we'll do this podcast again, right? And see how we feel. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Troubles, you were going to say something there about somebody you maybe don't feel sympathy for or something? Oh, the fucking... She ends up being the villain, right? Oh, right, but yeah. Melissa Leo as, yeah. uh, as Holly Jones is yeah. an absolutely terrifying performance. Like, oh, my Because yeah. unlike you two, right, you two didn't know who it was going to be, right, going into it. Mm-hmm. Like, this yeah. is my second time seeing the film. And see, watching her in every scene now like watching that a second time yeah. round I'm just looking at her and I'm like mm-hmm. you are the most sadistic like fuck you know the first time she came on screen I just got terrified again because <laughs> it's, it's so effective the reveal uh, when he's at the sink and she just, he turns and she's like I don't want to hurt you and then she has the gun up mm-hmm. and I, I just think it, she's brilliant like that's that's doesn't overdo it mm-hmm. she doesn't overdo yeah. any of it and I was the same as you when I watched the, the full thing again I was like, oh my gosh, you realise how clever and manipulative mm. she is the whole way through it. Mm-hmm. And she's terrified. And she just, that whole last scene with our boy Hugh, he, she just doesn't overdo <laughs> it at all. She's just like, so this is what I'm telling you to do and you're going to do it. And there's no big song and dance about it. I just know that I'm in power. And I thought that was just absolutely spot on. Freaky, mm. man. Yeah, it is. It is <laughs> what, again, you know, we obviously talk about how great the film is already right um but one of the things i really liked about how the tables turned right at the end like it was the vulnerability that you see in uh keller considering mm-hmm. what you've actually what you've literally just watched for you know the best part of two hours and the vulnerability there where he he, he has no weapon he has to cuff himself he has to drink the shit because he's doing this again it's like what he had just done for two hours to get to his daughter was torture this poor, you know, mm. poor, you know, me- uh, boy that's obviously got mental health, uh, health issues and stuff and mental illness. And it's like, oh, so jarring to watch. And then it's like the complete tides have turned. He's now having to do the worst to himself, yeah. you know, in order to yeah. save his daughter. And it's it's just the way the tides turn. I thought was beautiful, like absolutely well beautiful in the the nicest way possible or the, yeah. the worst way possible. If you know what I mean, like beautiful I, writing, beautiful screen. Yeah. Uh, screenwriting and uh, yeah as you say the, a brilliant performance from um, well, for Holly Jones yeah you've, you've, well, you've brought you've brought him up and you've got this guy up again and I, I, I can't believe we've not really dove into him till now but Paul Dano um, as Alex is <laughs> is remarkable in this movie yeah. um, and the, like I've seen some other things I think Little Miss Sunshine 
yeah. is one of the other things I can I'll remember that comes to the top of my mind right now. I know he's going to be playing the Riddler in the next Batman movie. Ah, and, sure he is. Uh... And, and thank and thank God that he's getting like something that could be a huge like big breakout role for him like in the mainstream yeah. because he's one of these guys. Any time that he shows up, and even if you can't place your finger on oh that that's this guy. As soon as you find out it's him, it makes sense because he he just that blends into whatever character he's playing. Yeah, he's a and, total yeah. chameleon. Yeah, mm-hmm. and without him playing that role, this movie isn't as good because he needs to give Alex the sympathy with the sort of nagging doubt in your own mind, oh my God, maybe he did do it, even when you're convinced he didn't. Like, yeah. he needs to have that doubt with you, maybe he did because he does look a bit... Oh, There's just you. one thing that I, that kind of bothers me a little bit about, and, and I think this is just kind of all films as well, you know, and I don't know if it is, I don't know what you boys think of this, but I don't know if it is to, you know, keep us guessing or make us like dislike or like someone, but mm. why is every suspect, like, dressed or look like they're up to something? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it just bothers me. I'm like, why are they always dressed like that? Like, why is he dressed with, like, the huge big 70s glasses on and, like, the, the stereotypical look of what... Mm. You know, and, and abductor looks abductor like, looks like. <laughs> yeah. even with yeah. the second guy, you know, you've got Bob, the Bob Taylor's character, yeah, total shifty looking guy, and you think, wouldn't it be better if he just looked like a, a really presentable, you know, if you were hiding yourself in public and you'd done mm-hmm. something committed a crime, surely to God you'd be hiding yourself as you know someone that would just blend into society. Yeah, I do. You wouldn't point at him and go, that guy's a murderer. And know absolutely the spitting image of Myra Hindley as a man. Like, it's what it looks like, you know what I mean? Oh my God, yes. (laughs) Jesus. No, I agree with you, Ellie. I think in most films, I think that applies. And this one, I think purely because of Alex's Jones' uh, mental illness, I think he's meant to look like... Uh, his aunt dresses him and she has they have the exact same glasses Glasses, Uh, like do you know what I mean I think it was meant to kind of give off this image that he just like dresses like as not even I don't know I think he dresses as as, like normal as possible if that makes sense even though the glasses clearly are a big giveaway that he may be involved in child abduction but um definitely the the second guy but then again he wasn't even he was kind of hiding in plain sight he was actually going to the you know, the shops and buying children's clothing and all that. So, I mean, he was an idiot, really, in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Um, so it didn't really matter how he dressed because at the end of the day, he was going to get, well, he was going to get caught, if, you know, whether he was um, the, yeah. the main suspect or not. What was his deal, by the way? Because I still didn't fully understand so him. So he, he was, so he was actually the boy, uh, he was another boy that was taken by Holly, I right. think. Uh, and... Yeah. And was like I don't know. Obviously, got pure mad into snakes because obviously Holly's um, husband was into snakes, and obviously that was what they were drinking as well. Was obviously this mad snake liquor, this mad snake oil, whatever snake it was. Snake liquor. I don't know what it, I don't know dragon what it was called. Dragon soup. <laughs> <laughs> it was <just>, uh, <laughs> knockoff dragon soup. Exactly. So um, yeah, I think that was his deal. He just ended up getting obsessed with. Um, basically being so the invisible man with this whole maze thing was mm. obviously a book that must have been introduced to him when uh when he was abducted by holly and the guy i think mm-hmm. well, they were obviously in it together you know um and i think the invisible man is is basically who um the second uh, okay i keep going to call him something but i don't know what his name is what's the yeah the second suspect the snakes what's his actual name do you know Oh, 
the actor. Uh, yeah. Not the actor. No, the, the, I was thinking about the character. Just oh, uh, I, I, I just I just Bob almost got Taylor. guy from Dark Knight. Oh, what'd you say, Ellie? Bob Taylor. Bob Taylor, right? So Bob yeah. Taylor. Yeah. So he would have been he would have been abducted. And then he believes that the Invisible Man is actually Holly's husband, I think. So then mm-hmm. this whole maze thing is him trying to basically find him because obviously he's dead. Yeah. And I think the, ma- the maze and the snakes, that was all to do with it. So he was like, oh, I don't know. Just Spot on there. Yeah, get, yeah get, getting blood, getting children's clothes and getting snakes. And it was like, I'm going to find him, you know? That was like... Yeah. In his head, it was like I'm going to keep going through this maze, and I'm going to find the Invisible Man. So that's that's. See, like, can I answer though? Like, he that. has made he's made an actual career on being like the fake sub suspect and things though, because yeah. he was the guy. He's the guy who shoots the mayor in the Dark Knight as well. In the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking. I, I definitely know that guy's face. Like, he's a yeah that yeah. Just there's shows another, up. There's another bit in the film. Right, I'm just looking through these notes here. Right, there's another bit in the, the film. There's a line that Hugh Jackman says, right, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. Because I was thinking, like, what relevance does the the beginning have with the whole shooting the deer, all this kind of thing, and mm-hmm. sort of trying to understand why this isn't what Hugh Jackman's character does isn't an issue. He's just mm. like so, like this is what I'm doing, protecting my child. But I thought there must be that. That can't be easy because you look at um his best friend um is it who is it um, T. Howard. Yeah, t- yeah, what's t- Terence Howard's character's name? Uh, Butch, Frank, Frank Butch. Yeah, yeah, so you look at him and you can see the, the struggle he has between this is wrong, I know this is wrong, this is just not what you're supposed yeah. to do, but also I want to find my kids. But for Hugh Jackman's character, it's sort of just like, this is what I'm doing. And he says this line, right, that I thought, wow, that's quite a statement when he says to, to Terence Howard's um, character, mm. he goes, um, I've got read down here, he's not a person anymore. So you're thinking, mm. is he so used to killing animals and, you know, that you know, mm. hunting's just not an issue for him, that this is just, he doesn't see this guy as a human being, obviously, mm. and he just sees this as, like, you know, it's such an easy thing. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think um, he, it's like the whole argument, you know, people who are murderers and rapists and paedophiles, like, do they deserve a life and stuff? You know, it's that whole kind of capital punishment that we're not obviously getting it, but... It's like I think for Hugh Jackman's character, I think it's a case of him. He's so sure because of what he heard Alex say in the parking lot, like that in that car park mm. when they were leaving. That was that was when Hugh Jackman decided he's no longer a suspect. This is actually the guy who done it. Um, yeah, you know, and I think that's when it becomes like it becomes crazed for him. It becomes like it's no longer a question of. Whereas Frank, on the other hand, didn't hear him say that and just has to go on, mm. um, has to go on Keller's word. So I think that's why there's obviously a lot more hesitation from there because I, I have no doubt if Frank had heard that, then both of them would have probably been. Well, I can't say that for sure, but I can imagine, you know, that Frank would have been a little bit more and less hesitant because he's obviously heard him say. You know, they, and what he was didn't it even hear the said. song as well. When he didn't hear the, the song. song. Yeah, there was so much that that Keller heard on his own that was yeah. like, this guy knows. Like that's why it wasn't even like it. It wasn't even like he was just doing it because he thought of it. Like he, he, Keller by this point was so sure this this guy, even if it wasn't him that took them, he was he was like absolutely involved in it, and he knows exactly where they are. And I mean, as as we as we find out, he does kind of he doesn't. I'm not sure if Alex really does know where they are, but he certainly knows what's going on to an extent, and he certainly had contact with the two girls um, within that, you know, 
week time that this the, the movie takes place over. So mm. um I think God, that's... you guys are good at this. Like you are so proper pros. <laughs> I'm like rethinking the film, like, oh my god, yeah. Fifty, <laughs> 50 episodes, say like, fifty episodes. The fifty episodes, yeah. this is what we do. <laughs> oh, he's a seasoned pros. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a massive compliment, Truff. I'm gonna um ask you if, if is there any like weaknesses in the film that you like there's a bit about the priest and stuff I thought yeah. um, is there stuff that you would like to have seen explored the, with that the, more or the, anything that you the priest uh, plays into the weakness I have with the um, motives for uh, the Joneses committing these crimes in the end um, I the priest the priest says oh the man said it was because of his war on God yeah. and it's laughed off by Jake Gyllenhaal and then it's not brought up again until um the, you know the what's her face the bad freaky woman uh, Holly Holly, yeah, Holly, Holly actually says, <laughs> yeah yeah uh, she's like um, I this is our war on God we we take children so we can turn their parents into demons like yourself and I just think it, a it's quite a weak motive for it yeah, you know what I mean it's yeah. it's just one of those things like to try and make them seem like weirder and more satanic and therefore possibly scarier uh, but also if you're going to set that up as your legitimate motive like don't have your protagonist laugh it off like when it's brought up you know what I mean like and he no, says, but I think like, that's uh, well I don't know I, I actually disagree I think the fact that he laughs it off is is another reason why it's it's almost like there's loads of elements to this case which mm-hmm. is quite blasé to um, mm-hmm. Detective Loki and yeah. I think that's what angers Keller the most because um, yeah. I think there's a certain arrogance to Loki because he mm-hmm. solved every case up to this point and blah 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 you know I think I think yeah. he I think he even underestimated it especially early doors I know he does end up being a hero at the end which is great because again like he he does good. He does good by all the wrong that gets done. He eventually, you know, does save a day eventually. But it, I think that's part of his character is to be so blasé, as I said, and standoffish. Yeah. And and as I said, I think that comes with a bit of arrogance. Like he's just like expecting everything to kind of fall on his lap. And he's, yeah, he's that's actually, a good point. He's he's actually like he's following Keller and and like Keller says at one point as well you wasted time following him when you could have actually been doing this and that and blah 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 and then you actually like like you say daily it's not until you watch it again or or you get to the end of the film and it kind of ties it up in a nutshell and you think like imagine imagine I, mean, I obviously wouldn't make for a great film but imagine Keller had just said look I think it's this guy and. Uh, Detective Loki had taken it a wee bit more seriously and somehow would have got something out of Alex that would have led him to mm-hmm. you know, mm. led, led him back to the Jones' house which would have maybe led him to see you know the the big potions that they had or the room that they kept the girls in or, or like the, yeah. the, you know, the bit under the car there's so much warning signs but the Jones' house was very very rarely visited by Detective Loki and you yeah. just think see if he had you know if he didn't have that arrogance around the fact that he was so sure it wasn't them. If he hadn't had that arrogance and maybe just double thought, you know, double checked himself or whatever, then you know the outcome would have been massively different, and you know the girls would have probably been saved quicker, and Keller wouldn't. It wouldn't have been at the expense of, you know, Keller as well. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's just you know in hindsight, obviously, you can you can play about with the movie and say this might have happened, this might have happened, obviously, but um, I do I think that do, I know they do this for. Um dramatic effect and you know that kind of thing but bugs me as well and I don't know if this is someone correct me if I'm wrong but like see if you're a police officer or a detective or whatever 
Mm. You've got a partner, right? So you don't right. know yeah. yourself. Yeah. And that's the one thing that makes it just like, oh, right, well, obviously that's going to happen. You're on your own. You're the only yeah. person there. Yeah. And I just find that, like, when you just see that in films, you're like, well, here we go. Something bad's going to happen because, oh, the detective's on his own. And it's like, that just wouldn't mm. happen. You no, nah, you're right. Is it a suspect's house on your own? Like, you would have yeah. a partner, you would be two people there. And it's just a kind of like, yeah, we get it, we buy into it because it's drama, but at the same time, if we are going to make a film that's full, is really realistic and, you know, this, it's it's a realism film, like, you would have had someone else there and it could have been mm. really interesting to see the dynamic between another officer. Yeah, Ellie, you and... speak my language here. I'm all about realism and that's, that's probably my biggest pet peeve about the whole thing is that... Yeah. Again, I've obviously spoke about the the arrogance of Detective Loki, but I think, again, that comes with him being alone. Like, he doesn't ever have anyone to second-guess him other than Keller. So I think, like, if he had a partner that was going, like, on a, you know, we need to look into this more, or maybe we should think about this, or, you know, I don't know, someone to just be there to not even advise him, but just to be uh, someone in his ear, because, yeah. as you said, there's also just so many times where he's off on his own, doing his own mm -hmm. little thing, and you're like... You know, if you're yourself, you're obviously going to miss some things. Whereas if there's two people, you're just, there's, yeah, there's two people. It. It's, another, it's a complete only... different set of eyes that might see something that you've never seen. So for sure, there's only one point that I really well. There's, there, maybe there's maybe there's two, but I think my second one leads on from the first, where we really see him vulnerable, and it's when you know Bob Taylor shoots himself in the yeah. in the interview room, and then from there he's not on his own. He goes to search his house again and finds the map and that other detective or that other police officer who have whatever his job role is questions him and says oh you're at a loose end here it's just a it's a copycat for the invisible man sort of thing and mm, you see yes. him kind of so he loses it he opens himself up he isn't arrogant anymore because he, he realizes he's freaking out here because he doesn't have an answer yeah if, if there was another officer there the full way through the film there would have been more of an interesting dynamic mm. between, you know, that sort of argument of I'm the one that solved all the cases, you shut up, mm -hmm. like if it's like a junior off junior detective or I don't know, something some someone that wasn't as superior as him or was just on the job new and was trying to contradict what he was saying, there would have been a real interesting sort of sort of conflict there, which I don't think would have cost much in terms of the storyline or the the length of the film. It would have just been another mm. little question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if that was meant to be a character in it. Um, I know that there was a lot of changes in the script throughout production. Like at one point, Christian Bale was meant to be in it. Uh, DiCaprio, Oof. DiCaprio was meant to be in it um, at one point as well. Um, so it could have been the case that there might have been two detective roles originally planned, but just mm -hmm. in the course of trying to get the movie made and script rewrites and stuff like that, they might yeah. have filtered it down to one, you know what I mean? I mm -hmm. always get really interested in, like, I know it's not what the film's about, but, like, the background of people that we, we you know, have came into this family's life, have come into the detective Loki's life at a certain point, mm -hmm. and I always find it really interesting. I was like, oh, I've never, I don't know if I've seen that before, when you've got, you know, a detective so clearly marked with tattoos and, you know, I thought what's happened here like because I thought it was a bit of a strange you know character choice and or costume choice to, yeah. to have him that with nothing explained I thought that as well he he was always slightly like he had pure buttoned up shirt like all the time whereas every other officer had the you know a little bit unbuttoned uh you know some of them were obviously in uniform uh he was always wearing the big black trench coat and like mm. you know 
he's he's full on chasing people through. Well, he chases obviously Bob Taylor uh, at a point, and you just think that could not that that attire that you're wearing can't have been the best <laughs> the best choice for chasing somebody through the streets, surely. Yeah, like boots in that. To um, be fair, I, f- I think <laughs> if he'd showed up to that scene in shorts and a t-shirt right like, on, oh, <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to chase hands on everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ready a fucking Ronald Villiers thing. What are you doing? No, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm in my chase. I'm in my chase uniform. I'm in chase it's uniform. In, it's in the 1700s. I didn't know where. I would have loved to have seen Ronald Villiers in this film. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have seen him in any film, actually. Tell me, tell me where the girls are. Hey, tell me where they are. Hey, tell me. <laughs> I imagine, imagine if, if you played the priest or something. Alex in that box, being like, oh, oh. Where, are my, "Where are my children?" He's like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, the water's too hot. Oh, now the water's too cold. <laughs> Oh, that's me roasting now. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's me freezing. You're going to turn that off. Aye, aye, burn the witch and I can't. Burn the witch. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, ultimately, a really good film. I could sit here and nitpick about, like, realism all day, Ailey, and I'm sure you would probably, we would have a great conversation, to be honest. Absolutely. So I'm sitting there going, like, well, it's a fucking movie, so... I never uh, said a thing. I never said <laughs> yeah, a thing. You're putting words in my mouth now. I'm too tired never. for that. But no, I, I think... I justify it, though, because I'm like, it is nah, a film, I need to understand that. I know. Like, if we're portraying, if we're trying to portray something that is super, super, super realistic here and things that could happen in our lives, why do we skate over, like, you know, yeah. little things like, you know, you would be there with a partner or that kind of... Like, I'm, I'm totally, totally with you, mate. Totally with you on it. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, why is the, why does the priest not go to jail and all? Because he's got a guy absolutely fucking. He does rotten. go to jail. I'm does sure. he go to jail? I just Aye, he goes for, to jail. Why? I think he just goes to question. Like, goes in for questioning. I don't remember him actually go to jail. But yeah. yeah I remember him being. Yeah, I don't remember him being. I mean, I suppose we don't really need a scene of him actually getting huckled or anything like that. Hey, what do you what do you do? You went to trial. <laughs> like, 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 I went the full trial. What, 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 by the way, there was there was a twenty. If it was a series, boys. If it was a series, then we would have had that. No, Ailey, I agree with you. I think there's, uh, I, I mean, as a, as a movie, brilliant, um, but I mean, a series, oh, that's what we're talking. Then we get we, on we, FTTV we talk, and then we go. We've oof. talked about this before, Jack. Like, we've talked about um, movies that we think would have be done, be, done better as TV shows. I was wondering, do you think this falls in that category? Uh, no, do you know what? As a movie, it's still class. I, I don't even know if it would be better as a, a TV show, but I think you would. Um, I'd, I don't know. You could definitely get more invested in it uh, in terms of characters. The mm. development of characters would have been class because, and I think you would also in a TV show like we were talking about with uh, the detectives probably have added in a, de- a, de- a second detective. Yeah, Helen Mirren or something. And it certainly wouldn't. Nah, I was thinking more a younger person to be honest. I was like even a younger, uh, uh, a younger female uh, detective nah, would have been good. Nah, that, that would be more Helen no, nah, his arrogance would have played off and she could have, you know, towards the end of the series, she would have really came on to her own and you would have seen how powerful she was and she would have, like, you know, I don't know, she would double, double-crossed him and said, do you know what, no, fuck you, Loki, you dick, you're an idiot, you're an arrogant bastard and I'm going to I'm gonna solve this myself. She and definitely she'd have to be Scottish as well. Cause that's uh, she'll say it exactly like that. that. <laughs> All right, we'll just cast it, we'll just cast Ailey. Like, we'll cast Ailey. You know? <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, yeah, go on, yeah. I need a job right now. I know. <laughs> Ailey and Jake Jill, no, together at last. This will be yeah, great. What a team, man. What a combo. What an absolute team. What an absolute combo. Oh, we can dream, boys. We can dream. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll do some, we'll do some ratings, but has anyone got any, you know, parting thoughts on the movie? I know... 
Ailey, you did say you had a lot of notes. Is there anything on your notes that you never, you never really got off your chest? I don't think so. Well, the one thing I've circled is, I don't know if this is me just because I like looking <laughs> into details of scripts and things, but that he's not a person anymore. That was my big, that was my yeah. big in my notepad here. Um, and do you think that, do you, you seen, I remember you mentioning it, do you think that's more to do with sort of Kayla's tendency to hunt and things? Do you think that's kind of a, a, a I'm just going to say personality trait, but I don't want him to sound like he's a Twitter left or something it's, I think it, it only came up I think because it didn't really come up the first time I watched it it came up the second time and I was trying to make sense of why we had to see that opening of killing the deer and I thought is this a bit of a oh, okay deers are you know these beautiful animals and you know we're killing yeah. them and it's that kind of thing and is it relating to the children of you know I didn't it's really funny. know kill, he doesn't that. kill it just for fun obviously he does actually then end up cooking it doesn't he as well, well yeah, I don't know true. if that's maybe just to give the feel I, I, I genuinely don't know this is just that's this true. is just one of my answers I think maybe he's just they're in Pennsylvania uh, I think he's meant to just kind of be a lifestyle thing um, I think it only shows the kind of relationship with him and the son for whatever reason. Um, Maybe we're a bit guilty of doing that when we know we've got a film that we're going to have to look for details in that we, we try mm. to look into things. Oh yeah, if you're going to want. podcast about it then you, you may as well mention it. I, I, I agree with you. I think there, there may well be a, a connection with his sort of looseness to cause harm to things. Yeah. Um, you know, in contrast to maybe, like you said, Frank, uh, Frank Birch, you know, you don't, he he lives across the street, but do we see him out shooting with uh, his daughter? <laughs> no, we don't. So, you know, uh, I don't know if it's just to show the you know the sort of masculinity of uh, uh, of Keller. Maybe I don't. Yeah. I, again, I don't know. There's there's probably multiple reasons why it's in there. You would need to ask uh, Denis himself. I'll write tomorrow, guys. I'll, I'll, I'll just give him a wee bell. I'll give him a wee call. <laughs> even, ask Jake, even ask Jake Gyllenhaal the next time you're shooting for the, oh, the TV show. Yeah, I'm seeing him tomorrow. <laughs> like, what, what his intentions were, you know? Like. <laughs> yeah. um, Truffles, have you got any parting comments um, um, on the film? Just, it... Yeah, just last, last time we touched on it earlier, um, I just think the only real problem I had with the movie script wise was the thing I've already touched on uh, casting wise if you're going to have Viola Davis in your movie just do more with her man because she's one of the oh, best actresses of our generation um, and any scene she was in she was good in like I liked I liked mm-hmm. that she was the one to tell him no think of her daughter and actually she oh, tells Helen Howard's character leave, leave him in the shower you know what I mean mm-hmm. think of the daughter and if you've seen her on how, how to get away with murder you know how good she is at these sort of like heartless roles, you know what I mean? Like she's amazing as Annalise Keaton in that TV show. So I just think that was probably the only wasted potential the movie had, like maybe a bit of a heavier role for her character, even if like she played more of a part, maybe it was her who Keller goes to, to like help him out with the scheme instead of the husband. That would have been quite good, I think in the end, you know what I mean? But in in the end, I think think Prisoner's a class movie, Denis Villeneuve is, Superb, um, the acting spot on. So yeah, yeah. I'm happy, happy I watched yeah, it. Yeah, I, I agree with, you with that. Actually, I never even really thought of that. But I think uh, for term in terms of representation for female characters and stuff, I think that would also have been good. Um, mm. We didn't really need Frank to be there because he mm. was just being hesitant the whole time. Anyway, if you had had uh, Viola Davis do it, then I mean, you could have had the exact same reaction, but. Mm-hmm. 
arguably maybe better portrayed and she would have been female so you would have had the conflict of being like a, yeah. a, a paternal um you know fear of losing the child and paternal sort of rage and then you would have the maternal side of it as well rather than mm-hmm. having both both the mothers sort of like cowering away and crying and taking pills yeah. and that yeah and, exactly. and both of both the fathers are putting on their coats at night going to do the, the dirty work as if you know, I think like, just sitting there not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm completely on on board with you there. I think uh, you yeah. could they could have definitely, you know, uh, used her better, but also for purposes of representation, I think that would have sort of, I don't know, made it made the movie as a whole kind of sit better a little bit rather than mm. um, rather than portraying the, the parents like that. Um, yeah. We will we'll, we'll we'll tie it up with that, and I um, just want to know your ratings out of 10 just because we've not done that for fucking ages oh. so uh, I'll come to you first um, that's a hard one have, given that you had seen it first and you've had time to mull it over it's hard to see out of 10 I feel like I've given I feel like I've given maybe slightly worse movies than 9 but just you're generous I, you're very generous just, just where I think it sits in Denis Villeneuve's body of work I'm going to go 8 out of 10 I'll go 8 oh, hmm. that's what I said as well I'd say 8 <laughs> and yeah. 8 Nice. Yeah. yeah, I think I would go in eight as well. Actually, eight's all round. I think eight's all round. Good. A, a solid eight. It's good to know this is the definitive eight out of ten movie. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. We've made a decision now. You know, yeah. this is yeah. when someone says, "What's an eight out of ten movie?" I was like, "I can tell you what. Oh, definitely, nah, as prisoners." <laughs> absolutely. No, I, I think it's seriously the pit. I mean, I just want to round off quickly because, like, I think. I was just so invested in it the whole time and that's what I want from a movie, you know. That's a two hour and a half movie that I don't even need to really like mm-hmm. you know, I don't need to look away or, or find anything else to, to do in my time, I think is is yeah well, is the best yeah. thing you can say about it. We can as you say, when you come to podcast about it, you're obviously going to nitpick at realism, you're going to nitpick about I don't know, character development, um, the way people act. But at the end of the day, the script was written, the movie was made, and fuck, I really enjoyed it. So nice, good well, stuff. <laughs> Smashing, right? Oh, so uh, just, just thank you very much, boys, for giving me that film as the first one. Like mm. I know, I know the <laughs> other guys hitting. got some, like some like one of them was quite like hearted, and you know, I was thinking, oh right, what a great film. What's this one? And it, honestly, we put it on, being like, oh, prisoners, here we go. Got to the end, and I was like. <laughs> Thanks for that. That was my first one. <laughs> like, the most <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Grand. Yeah, well, listen, you got the, the, the meatiest bone out of all the films this month. Weekend, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got, you got the good ones out of the way. Well, I mean, the good and the bad, I don't know. Mm. It's subjective, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But yeah, you got that out of the way. Um, I'm sure you'll have a lot better and more pleasant movies to watch uh, oh, as we no, go on. Oh, no, it was great. It was great. Like, as you said. <laughs> X-Men. Fling, fling all the, the, the gritty dramas, Maui. Um, wait, wait till you see X-Men, Ailey. That'll be oh, yeah. yeah. That's a gritty drama. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. His claws. No, no we'll 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 make, we'll make a, a Marvel enthusiast out of you by the end of this anyway, because I... I Went into, I started this podcast having seen I think maybe two Marvel films and uh, I'm, I'm right up there now with the best of them so um, yeah I've got, I'm, like, I'm it, waiting for it I'm ready for it to happen it takes a couple it honestly takes a couple really and then it just sets you off and you go well I need to know now what happens <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and then before you know it you're you're buying Thanos teddy bears and stuff. <laughs> I'll have Actually, a just, just me. <laughs> Jack went to the shops in his Tony Stark costume the other day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm diving a bit. Um, yeah, yeah, we're I'll just going to 
<laughs> just going to finish off quickly with um, a little bit of news. The only news that we have, Truffles, you know, so okay. kindly provided me with right before, mm. is that cinemas are reopening mm. on August 26th, which is a week tomorrow, did you say, or a week today? It's a week, de- well, yeah, technically this will be out on Thursday, so six days' time. <laughs> <laughs> you will never know when we record it. <laughs> um, so it was August 26th, and it's Tenet time, baby. Um, uh, for those who know and for those who don't know, I'm an absolute Nolanite, so I'm buzzing at my banger for this. Um, Tenet, it looks absolutely mental. It looks like Inception, but if you pumped it full of steroids and <laughs> casted uh, even, well, I was going to say even better cast, but, you know, mm. it's all subjective, really. <laughs> um, a good cast. So I'm absolutely buzzing for it. Truffles, you got thoughts on Tenet? Yes, I think it's going to be absolutely incredible. Um, uh, as just an English geek, the fact that it's a palindrome and it talks about time, you know, and it's going to be like the same forwards as I it is backwards and all that. I think that is the whole point of it, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, yeah. oh, that's so cool. Uh, the, there's so many great things I love about it. The fact that it has uh, the guy from Twilight is brilliant. Uh, the fact that it has Tamar from EastEnders is even more brilliant. Um, oh, it's just going to be it's going to be a wonderful time. Like, all of these things combined into a Christopher Nolan time travel spy movie. I'm just like, Oh, and then I'll just give you the biggest uh, hard one ever. I mean, and then, well, Ailey, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm just excited to get back to the cinema. To be honest, I want some popcorn and well, not to be put into my overdraft. To be honest, when <laughs> you buy there, but like <laughs> to be back. Oh, that is absolutely so enough. Good. Have you got? Have you got much? Uh, do you know much about Tenet? You familiar with Nolan films? I've just looked at the cast list here, right? And anything with Kenneth Branagh, I'm there for that. So, yeah, yeah, um, okay. I'm a, I'm a big Kenneth Branagh fan. And, Class. You know, you've got... One film I had just when I've seen Robert Paxton's name here. Um, have you done a podcast on Lighthouse? Oh, uh, not, I, not yet, because I think I, I, I'm still recovering from watching it the first time. Oh, really? Because <laughs> like, I've, 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 well, I've been catching up on episodes, actually. And also, just shout out to the one that you did with uh, Nikki. Um, like, mm. the, I chat with Nikki Buchanan. I just thought that was incredible when I had to message him. I thought that was just an, an insane, insane um, episode. So nice. if you haven't listened to that, please listen to that. It's brilliant. But I, I was flicking through them, and I was like, hmm, I don't know if he's a, either had one recorded for Lighthouse or not. And I thought... Let's let's do that. Is just I'm dying to see that film. Um, well, Truff, you know what to do, mate. You've got the spreadsheet. You I do have the spreadsheet. spreadsheet. I have the spreadsheet. There's that, there's that suggestion. God, <laughs> she's, she's making demands on our first episode. I know. She's <laughs> the first episode. She's like such a diva, such an absolute <laughs> she's, diva. She's walked in and clipped her fingers. Come on, <laughs> and since, since you're such a big Kenneth Branagh fan, can we also do the road to El Dorado? Because that's a fucking class film. <laughs> is that not <laughs> that, that? Is that not? Did that not come up in trivia at one point? Were you not the one where we did one of the trivia contests? We were doing Elton John, down? and it turned out. Yeah, every song from the road to El Dorado. And as soon as I, as soon as I, the pin dropped on that, I was like, right, well, I'm just naming songs from the road to El Dorado. Yeah, if anyone's not seen amazing. that, then honestly, I mean, it's a DreamWorks number, I think, um, mm-hmm. and it's you know, it's just got such a good feel to it. It's just a classic, like cartoon, just brilliant, great songs yeah. in it. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. What else do you want, really? To be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's let's do it. Let's get that on the spreadsheet, you know. Okay. 
<laughs> we're just doing this live then from now on the spreadsheet updates <laughs> well the next 20 minutes we'll just add to the spreadsheet <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know how to close shows really and you'll you'll, um, you'll soon find that out so well, in fact you probably won't because this will be like one of maybe five episodes that I will host uh, in the near future I thought you've been a great host oh, I'm, not my hosting, I'm not saying anything about my hosting my ending fuck me I don't know how to end the show I could just he keep is, talking about it Jack Higgins Jack Higgins is the GG Abrams of podcasting it could be really good all the way through and then just like teams off <laughs> just fuck it then all of a sudden he's some, bringing just put some outro music over this conversation and, <laughs> and it just fades to black <laughs> it's like when they, they play out at the Oscars like it reminds me yeah. of that time where Matt Damon was speaking and then Jimmy Kimmel was in the bottom just yeah. starts playing just from the very start he's like get him off get him off the stage <laughs> no well uh, this is the only way I can end it but this has been our 50th episode guys um, I'm absolutely buzzing to still be here still living uh, <laughs> alright <laughs> fuck I've just done a JJ Abraham <laughs> no, right. it's, not, it's not that dramatic surely 50th episode it's absolutely class I'm so glad Ailey's uh, along to, oh, to, to witness it oh, I'm so glad no, Ailey's thanks, still alive tough still alive we're all oh, still alive barely. thank Christ bye um, cheerio I'm so yeah, it's so happy that Ailey's joined us. Um, it's been an oh, absolute no, pleasure talking you. to you. Thanks Always been a pleasure. Me. Always a pleasure talking to you, Truff. Oh, um, thank you. Uh, and stay tuned for more Truff meltdowns on his Instagram. Yes. Um, he is yeah. the he is the love child of RuPaul and Madonna. <laughs> um, so I think <laughs> I'm I think by the end of the month. Um, yeah, we'll have we'll have something nasty on our hands. Mm-hmm. Anyway, troops, thanks again for listening. Let's keep it real. <laughs> <laughs>